0: Welcome to Creator Talks. I'm your host, Christopher Calloway. On this episode, I am speaking with James Pruitt. Now, James is the publisher of Scout Comics, which began in 2015. Scout publishes and launches creator-owned comic books. And this is a smaller publisher. They're not looking to put out a great number of comic books, but they're looking to put out quality comic books by new creators and veteran creators. We already spoke to one who launched his comic book as a Kickstarter, James Hayek who was picked up by Scout Comics to publish his book, Solar Flare. And now James Pruitt is returning to writing to publish his book, Mindbender. We have talked to writers and artists who have worked for large publishing companies such as Marvel and smaller ones such as Image, Boom Studios, Dark Horse Comics, and Dynamite Comics, and self-published creators and Kickstarter projects. But I also like speaking with writers and artists whose work is being put out by smaller publishers some are diamonds in the rough others are true gems and this is one of them mindbender is beautifully drawn by federica deluca this is prime time stuff worthy of any large publisher and this is not mindbender's first appearance yes it goes back several years and james will share with us the secret origin the book comes out in may 2017 and i'll bet it was under ordered so listen to the podcast See what you think, check out some of the artwork, and uh, you might want to jump on that before they sell out, because this could be a big hit. And let's find out why, as I talk now to James Pruitt, here now on Creator Talks.
1: James, welcome to Creator Talks. Great to be here. Thanks for asking. And it's great to have you back writing comics. I think my last published work was around 2007. I got in the corporate world for a while and I took a break. I had two kids, took my time, energy, but now I'm back. And the new comic coming out is Mindbender. So give us a, a, a
0: synopsis of what the story is about, who the major characters are, the major players, without giving away too much, of course, so everyone can read this and discover it for themselves. Just kind of give us a little little teaser about the book.
1: Okay, well, this is actually a story that's been perfectly in my mind for about 25 years. I actually came up with a concept around 1993, believe it or not. Um, but I never really did much with it because I was a, I was a caliber from 94 to about 2,000 caliber comics I was a manager editor there So that took a lot of my spare time. I, I write like one series a year Basically, and this is always one that always seemed to get pushed back on my, my list of things to do I actually wrote a short story for negative burn 48 and a, a story called straight jacket And that's what man bears originally called was straight jacket and I wrote it's like a stream of consciousness story I was using it to try out a different writing style and um, the original artist was Matthew Dow Smith, um, who um, he did one of the covers for me on issue one. Since he was the first artist who ever touched my, my character, I had to make sure he drew one of the first covers for it. But um, so I started numerous times, but never been able to complete his other projects and other editorial demands. First a Caliber, then when I worked as editing in Tusk Entertainment, which is a European company. And now it's got always something that always seemed to take priority. But what is it is, mine better fall is that Alex Oberman, who who witnessed the gruesome death of his parents at the, around the age of seven? An explosion was caused by his own hands, or to be more precise, more his own mind. And this tragedy caused him to slip into a catatonic state and withdrew himself for over 16 years. Um, during this time, he never spoke, he never moved, he had no voluntary movement of his own. And then he finally found him, um, awakened and by um, this psychologist, Margot um, Amos, who came into it, and whether or well, not it's because she. Brought this out of him or it was just time for him to wake he woke up when he was 23 and he realized he had the he was wielding you know godlike power so to speak he could control um all reality basically but the thing is you know he last time he was awake was seven so he's 23 now physically he's 23 but mentally he's not yet so he's had a hard time adapting to this modern world
0: and it's set in our world i mean you are naming places like york pa Philadelphia oh, yeah. so it really brings it home makes it really really cool to see it set in our universe
1: and it, it, yeah, I, I prefer work in the real, the real world so to speak as much as a fantasy or a fiction story can be done well
0: it's in it's, my area so that was extra cool, oh, cool yeah. <laughs> I'm not too far I, from uh, that area
1: I spent a lot of time in Philadelphia I think that's what inspired me to be up that area mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, my day job my career job um, we had an office in Philadelphia I spent you know months up there out a year usually it's kind of like a cross, you know, a few years ago I said it was a cross between Unbreakable and Inception. Now I think the current cross would probably be more like a Legion meets COA, if mm-hmm. you're familiar with the series at all. But you, as you said, you developed this in your head years oh, ago. In 1993. I've actually wrote, The first issue was actually written in 2003. So I actually wrote that, that series. It was a, At that time, the artist was Lawrence Campbell, who was attached to it. But then he got exclusive with Marvel, and now he's with Dark Horse. So that kind of fell on the wayside as well. Then my career took off, so I wasn't able to um, finish it off. But now for this issue,
0: you have Federico De Luca doing the art.
1: Yeah, Federico De Luca.
0: And it's really cool. It's dark, sinister-looking. Even in the brightest moments in the book at the very beginning, it still has this ominous feel to it. And Federico is also doing the coloring as well. It has a very, very rich palette. What piece of art did you see by Federico? That made you say, that's the artist I want for this book.
1: Well, I, funny, um, about a year or so ago, I was actually working on the – he's an Italian artist. He lives in Berlin, Germany right now, so it's very international. But um, I was introduced by Federico by my brother Joe Pruitt, who's a publisher of Aftershock. When I um, – the other artist who was attached to my product, um, he got so much work. It just – we couldn't get the time to work together. So Joe – I was looking for the artist, and Joe brought up Federico. Joe introduced me to Federico about a year ago, and he had been working on a project with him a couple of years ago that never um, got off the ground. So I remember seeing his work from a couple of years ago, and then I was looking for another artist. He recommended him, and so I contacted Federico from the work I'd seen previously. And we hit it off really well. We're both, you know, we're both average softball players, so we had a lot in common to talk about. And um, he did a couple of samples for me. And I was very impressed with it. So I think the first page he ever did for me may have been, um, it may have been page six. It was just this very ominous essence he did with it. He first is in the psych, um, psych ward, and I said, "This is the guy for me." So I did, he, the sample page he did for me is just what really brought me to him. And what's his pace like? Um, we've already got two issues in the can. He's working on the third issue now. Um, so the first story arc runs five issues. And if you know, any independent comic image does the same thing. You always put your first story within about four to six issues. You know, five is pretty much the thing. Let's see how it goes, how sales go, and then we could continue it. If it is. I have another story in mind. And, you know, it just all depends on the reception I get for it. I would love to keep doing this forever. And Frederic is great to work with. He can do a page a day, pencils, inks, and colors once he gets into it. Um, so he's, he's fast. He's good. And he has his own unique coloring style. You don't see anyone else like him out there his art kind of stands out to itself.
0: It sure does. And it should stand out and it should do very well. It is a Diamond Staff pick. Also, the covers that you have on this book, not only do you have the interior artist, but you also have, as you mentioned earlier, Matthew Dow Smith that you've worked with for a a variant cover. The great Phil Hester does a variant cover. And I saw today that for issue two, you have Francesco Francavilla.
1: Yes, he'll be the retailer center cover for issue two. For issue three, have Andrea Devito doing the Retail of *Sin of Cover*. I had a Comics Pro version, which is an advanced preview edition was David Baller, who I worked with at Caliber before. He's a Switzerland-based artist, um, did a lot of work in Europe, and so I basically, I get, a lot of these people are my Caliber friends from my days at Caliber. So, you know, it's a small publisher. Um, I'm trying, and I haven't been around for about you know a decade, pretty much. Um, I'm trying to get some of my friends to help me promote it you know so a little bit more name recognition with it and you know Phil's a great guy he volunteered to do one for me matt did one for me and um i'm sure i have other people who are going to do some. i can't announce it yet until i actually get their work in hand <laughs> but yeah i'll be glad to you some of the covers i've got all the first five issue covers already done so if you want to i can send those to you can look at it.
0: awesome yeah and these will leap off the shelf for sure um and i'm I'm sure it's not going to have quantities on the shelf like Superman and Batman and the other titles that are ordered regularly. But people really want to jump on this because it is something special. And it is really, I personally really do like the art. It really grabbed me. This book is your baby. So, James, are you writing it and designing it for the individual books just as much as the future trade? And the reason why I ask is for many books... The floppies are written for the trade and sometimes something is lost in the transition between the issues. So if you're gone for a month, you're like, oh heck, where are we? Or if you want to jump on issue two or issue three because you get the word of mouth about it and you hear the buzz and one sold out because you didn't pre-order. So how how are you balancing that writing for the monthly and then seeing in the future it being a trade?
1: Well, I, I always write for the monthly to be honest with you. and um, We collect it later so I don't write it for a trade necessarily. By writing story arcs, now as far as the first issue goes, my definitely you always need to have the first issue available I mean, because you know a lot of people won't jump into issue three unless they get issue one. So I want to make sure there's enough number ones available. You know, if, so I'm going to overprint a little bit and make sure I have enough of that. Now, when the trade comes, I love to see it as one big read. You know, that that would be awesome for me to see it like that. Um, and that would probably be out. The trade would probably about around December to January is my guess for it. Because I'm gonna wait a couple of months until the series is over. I think it runs until September, October for this first story arc. So, um, you know, if, if if issue one sells out, I'm gonna go back to do a second printing out of it. So I'm gonna make sure the first issue is always available. So,
0: what are your future plans for Mind Menor? You said you have a second arc in mind, and here's something way out there. I just want to toss it out there. Would you ever consider, at some point, a crossover, either inter-company or between companies, like other publishers, um, maybe AfterShock? But I know a lot of these are individual standalone titles but what is that something you would
1: ever consider doing oh yeah definitely i i I would i mean it'd be fun for me i mean it was a caliber we had an intercompany kind of crossover with you know different creator characters everything was creator on this caliber as well for the most part so that was always fun to get you know i play with my um my caliber my brother joe did a character called kuroi kuroi is here i did black miss Um, We crossed them over. That's one of the first things I did. My second issue I ever wrote in 1994 of my first Black Mist, we had Kuro in there. So, you know, Joe and I grew up together, obviously, we are twins, and we had our own characters when we were younger. So we've always crossed our own characters. So, yeah, I'd love to do something like that. I mean, and the thing with Mindbender, I, I already have an avenue where I can do crossovers. I already know how to do it. Yeah, I'm surprised because a lot of people are like, no, 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 I'm just standalone. I don't plan on crossing over. It's very complicated to do that, but you're all set. I'm going to say I'm going to do it, but I can <laughs> do it as long as other creators want to do it because it's fun to do it. I don't want to make it as big, you know, you have to buy every issue to, you know, 12-issue art. But, yeah, if somebody want to do it, yeah, I'm all for it.
0: It's fun, and it also gives you more recognition, too. Like if someone's reading the other book, that's the beauty of crossovers, is that you expose someone to a book they may not have otherwise read, and hopefully they'll say, wow, that's really good. I do want to keep reading that, not just for the crossover. So you first came up with the idea back at Caliber Comics, and back then, talking about Caliber Comics, you were the managing editor. Many comics first appeared under Caliber Comics, many comic characters, James O'Barr's The Crow. Um, right. Mike Alveda's Madman, David Max Kabuki—I mean, a whole lot. It was, it was an
1: incredible publisher for such a small publisher. Um, what were some of your fondest memories working at Caliber? Now I was the, like I said, I was the managing editor. What happened with Caliber? Let me just give it a little background. Mm-hmm. Joe and I, um, and a, a friend of ours, Charles Moore, we co-created Negative Burn. Are you familiar with Negative Burn at all? Well, that's it's like a, an anthology type series. Yes, anthology. Okay. It, was, it ran fifty issues at Caliber, so it's one of the more, you know, successful anthologies in independent comics. A very an award-winning so it was a very well-received one we had a lot of big name creators in there so we told everybody said hey here's a book you can do um, do whatever you want to you know and we'll, we'll publish it now mainly it's Joe's baby for the most part around issue five he took over almost everything himself so I give Joe all the credit for the success of Negative Burn but that's how I got into Caliber because you know my first character i ever created was in apparition which was in Negative Burn 1 my second character was in Negative Burn 3 um, I have a character in Negative 5, which I'm going to use again, which I'm not going to say where. But, um, so it's always like a little playground for us to try out new concepts. And like I said, and Mindbender actually appeared in Negaburn 48 as Straightjacket. So the back, if this ever takes off, that'd be the book to find. <laughs> <was> <laughs> but, um, so when I came to Caliber um, in 1994, September 94, um, you know, the best part of Caliber to me is you know, one of my best friends in the world was Gary Reed. You know, Gary Reed passed away this past year. He was the founder of Caliber. He passed away um, in October, of this, right before I went to New York Comic Con. And um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make his funeral because I was at the New York Comic Con, and that really broke me up. But I learned a lot from Gary. So uh, a lot of my fondest me is just being in the office, working with the staff we had there. I mean, Joe was up there for a little bit. My brother, he was a creative director. There was me. There was Nate Pryor, who was our production guy. Um, Gary, Joe Martin, and Tim Parsons were the basically the staff at Caliber. And just the, the ideas we share with each other, bouncing knife off each other, and the talent we we're able to find. I mean, one of my first books I found was, I, I created, was The uh, Apparition Abandoned, which has been reprinted by Desperado slash Ambitch. Um, and my artist was Michael Gatos, if you know the name. Oh, yes. He's, he's the co-creator of Alias and Jessica Jones with Brian Michael Bendis, who got his start at Caliber, And they, that's how they met with their Caliber. And so Mike, I remember he came to me at Heroes Con, look at his portfolio. And I was tired, it was the Sunday, I was getting ready to go. And I said, I've looked at so many portfolios, I don't really want to look at another portfolio. And he goes, I came all the way from Maine. So I said, all right, you came from Maine, I'm gonna look at it. And it was by far the best portfolio I've seen in, in you know, the year. And um, he, he painted a book for me, it took him eight months to do, but it was my first solo book, really, by myself. And so, you know, Mike would get a still a good friend of mine. Um, Phil Hester started at Caliber. Uh, Mike Perkins, who does, um, he's doing the new Iron Fist. Oh, yes. He did my series Black Mist for me in 1997 and 98. And we're still, he lives 20 minutes from now. It's funny, when he did the book for me, he lived in Poland. But now we're 20 minutes apart. So we're both in, <laughs> Actually, I'm in Florida because of him. Oh, really? Like, yeah, Okay. he went to CrossGen. You remember CrossGen the company? Yes, yes. I'm in Florida because of CrossGen, because that was where I was supposed to go when I moved down here. And then things just happened. the company, you know, sort of having... They got bought by Disney was what ultimately happened. So I moved down to Florida I didn't actually get to work in CrossGen. <laughs> but um, things work out for a reason. So he's one of my dearest friends. Um, so that, that, the people I met and they're still my friends. That's my fondest memories of caliber. Some of the books, my favorite books we ever did, was um Inferno by Mike Carey. Do you know who Mike Carey is and, and Michael Gatos. I put that team together for that book. Mike um, character has a movie out now. He's a best selling, New York Times best selling author now. Um, the Jam, working with Bernie Moreau in The Jam was, you know, a, a big thrill for me. He's one of my favorite cartoonists. And we did Mr. X and, you know, just doing our own characters. It was just a great time. I mean, I, I always tell everybody that is my favorite job I've ever had. And if it wasn't for the distribution collapse in the late 90s, I would still be there. What gave you some of those sleepless nights working there? <laughs> distribution. <laughs> when, I, when I started at Calibre, we had, I think there were nine distributors at the time. And by the time I ended at Calibre, there was one. And every distributor that went out owed money. They went out owing, you know, they'll pay you a nickel and a dollar. But, uh, so there was a big cash flow problem at the end. And when Capital City got bought by David, well, that was pretty much the end of it for Calibre. Um, because Capital City was, you know, anywhere from 40 to 60% of our sales. And you would think that the cells would go straight to die, but no, they just disappeared. Ugh. Every time a distributor went out of business, the cells never translated to another distributor. They just stopped. So you know, from, I think it was 98, we were the last cover for Advanced Comics for Capital City Distributors. September was our best month ever, and in the next month, I lost 60% of my cells. Ugh. So obviously what happened is, you know, cash flow. I mean, the distributors couldn't pay us. We couldn't pay the printers. So it's nothing done that we did wrong necessarily. It's just the market changed. Did that lead to you leaving Caliber ultimately? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I had a son in 1999 and I, I went. I was in Michigan at Caliber and I'm from Georgia. So I came home for I think it was Christmas time or something before that. Maybe it was a little bit before that. Um, and I was around my family and I had a, you know, like a three-month-old kid. And I'm thinking, you know what? I want to be around my family again. So my, my son gets to know his cousins. And the whole purpose when I left Caliber in December of 1999 was I'm going to go down there for six months because we have this Hollywood stuff in the works. So I'm going to go down here, be around family for a little bit, and I'm going to come back up when things settle down. Well, if you ever know how he deals with Hollywood, it's a lot of talk for the most part. But Mm -hmm. they never wanna say no. And it just never materialized. So I ended up staying in Georgia for a couple of years. And then Mike Perkins got me in contact with um, Ron Mars. Rubber Castle, and I came down to CrossGen, interviewed there a few times. So I was going to come down here and work, and it just never, you know, I moved, and it just never happened, but, you know, I don't have any regrets. I mean, I, I fell into the job I'm at now, which i I'm very done very well with, so I pays the bills. I don't have to worry about that, um, but now i get to do what I want to do, and this is my passion, is writing and working in the comic industry. Um, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm just doing it because I want to do it. So, what made you decide now? It's time to get back to writing my own book. Well, I'll be very honest. Um, you know, when Joe started Aftershock with the other people, um, I started. You know, I always talked to Joe when he did Desperado. He was the image in the IDW with Desperado publishing, and you know, we talked all the time. We talk every day, pretty much, and we talk about comics. We talk about you know our kids. We talk about life, but um, mostly we talk about comics. So I've never really left the industry. But because I was so busy with my other, my day job, I'm in the financial securities industry and compliance. And it's a very time consuming job. So, and it's mentally exhausting. So I just never, um, I always had these ideas. I've got notes still on my, my um, file cabinet from when I was right in the nineties. And, um, but when he started aftershock, and then it, it, it kind of renewed my interest a little bit. And then when Gary Reed started back up caliber again, I was talking to Gary and we've, I've kept in contact with all these people over the years, It's kind of saying, you know, I want to do this again. And I don't want to do it full time, per se. I, I want to do it because when you do it for a career or a job, then sometimes that you know you, you can burn out with it. But when you do it because it's your passion, it's because what you want to do in your free time, then you get to live it again. It, it's, it's much more enjoyable that way to me. But, you know, when I came onto Scout, which I never expected to be the, become the publisher of Scout, but, you know, it just seemed like the right time to get back into it for me. As publisher now, where do you want to take Scout? Well, with Scout, um, I don't want to do anywhere to four to six titles a month at the most. We might go over, you know, maybe one or two or every now and then up to eight. But I think that's the max I ever want to do at Scout with Scout right now. What are the size where I can do 12 to, you know, even at Calibre, we did 12 to 20 books a month. Uh, but we also had a staff of six in the house, you know, handling everything. We had editors. We had you know, a full-time production person. Scout, you know, the comics are a little bit different nowadays, especially com- small companies. We're spread out across the country. Scout is based in New York. I'm in Florida. You know, so it's, it's not like I miss that office setting where you can sit there and just bounce ideas off each other and, you know, see things instantly. But with the Internet and, you know, Facebook and, other, I can, and Dropbox, I can see all the artwork actually faster now than I used to. Because when I'm doing the artists in Poland. I don't see the art except for through a fax. And then it takes like two weeks to get to in the mail. And then it's original boards, and you got to send everything back. And I get like Frederico this morning, he sent me a cover sketch. Can we talked about doing the cover for issue five today. La- yesterday, he sent me the sketch this morning. I approved it. He sent me the finished piece by this afternoon. Wow. And I got to see it. It's like that. <laughs> oh, you know, on my phone. And I work, I'm looking at my phone, yeah, oh, that's nice. Okay, it looks good. <laughs> you know, let's, let's go with that one. But you know, back in the day, you didn't do that. You, you see this really crappy fax machine copy, that, the thermal paper. And then, you know, I've got a Brian Ballin cover. Um, he did a Curry cover for Joe. I have the the uh, thermal paper from when it got sent over from England. You can barely see it now. This is oh. like, oh, that's a Brian Ballin original right there. That's a sketch. But um, now because of, you know, the heat and everything, you can't see it. But now, this thing with the modern thing, I can keep my phone and put it on my computer screen. It's my background, you know. It's just awesome. Now.
0: <laughs> and some of the titles that you have, uh, well, one, Solar Flare. James Hyke. I spoke to James on Episode 7 of Creator yeah, he's, Talks. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. He just joined the team. You have uh, Solar Man also being published. Yeah. Um, what do you consider like your flagship titles? Do you have a, a, a flagship title?
1: Well, you know, I started last September. So they actually have been around for like um, a year before I got here roughly. Mm-hmm. Their first book was Hinch Girl, and that ran for 11 issues. It was always supposed to be an 11-issue series, and Dark Horse is doing the trade for that one now. So you know, to me, that was probably the one that got them on the map. Um, they've done Sabretooth Dan, which had um, a national lampoon artist. Elasticator by A.C. Medina is a good read. It's, it's a more of a superhero feel to it. But A.C. is another up-and-coming writer. He, he's actually the creative director at Scout now. And he's the reason I met Scout, to be honest with you. I met him at Heroes Con last year when I was first trying to shop my property around. Shop a mine been around. I met him, and I had read a little about Scout. I didn't know anything about him. About the company, and um, I talked to him at HeroesCon. I said, "Tell me a little bit about this." And we started talking, and I started looking at the books. I read his books, and uh, I volunteered to, you know, help edit his books a little bit because you know that's my background. And he's an untested, you know not untested, but he's a new writer. So, and I just started talking to him. Like, I'm felt like I was being a mentor. Is what I felt like I wanted to do with him because you know, I like I I love finding new talent and molding them. That's what I really love to do. I love to find the next wave of talent. Um, if you look at the people at Calvert, they're actually the big, the big wigs, so to speak, at Marvel, DC, and you know, AfterShock and stuff now. So that's what I want to do. That's what I enjoy doing. But um he put me in touch when, because I, I wrote after I talked to him. Said, well, here's what I think you know, Scout could do to help themselves. You know, get more exposure. You know, a little bit more marketing because you know, a new company. And you know, there everyone has day jobs at Scout. We do this. This is our passion. We do this in our in our spare time, really. Um, basically, I come home from work, and this is what I work on. I work on scheduling. I work on the printers. I deal with the printers of the day. Um, um, you know, they'll send me an email, on my phone, or something, and I'll just answer it. That was good to go. I'll look at proofs, but um, he put me in touch with Brennan because I wrote this manifesto. I, you know, it's like a little ideas what I think you guys could do. It's like it end up being like a little booklet, twelve to thirteen pages long. And he handed it to Brennan, um, and next thing we we're chatting a little bit, and they asked me to come on and help. And, I said, well, and that's how I became publisher, just from meeting AC at the Heroes Con. Those cons are great. Yeah, <laughs> you had, you, It's great to meet people in person, see what can happen. Heroes Con is great. It's in North Carolina, Charlotte, in around Father's Day weekend. Mm-hmm. That's where I met Michael Gatos for the first time. That's where I met the first artist mm-hmm. I ever worked with, and uh, negative burn one at Heroes Con. So I went AC, and that's how I got involved with Scout. So I, I recommend Heroes Con.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: Great place for talent.
0: And that's coming up in June, yeah, can, uh, June. 16th. Somewhere around there. Yeah,
1: that weekend. That yeah. weekend. In the, of the month, yeah. You mentioned some of your books were collected uh, as a trade, and Dark Horse published that. That was the first bookhouse scout published, and that was just something that contract that they had. A, they were able to do that. It's not generally how it's going to happen, and it's not the way it will happen for the most part. But like, you know, my thing: I want to do four to six books a month. Mm-hmm. I want to get them all on time. That's the key thing to me. They have to be. If you're going to be monthly, it needs to be monthly. Um, I think they've had maybe one late book since I been here or one series that's been late, but that was before my time and we we're just trying to play catch up. But my goal is to get at least two or three books in before we solicit it. Um, depending on the artist, Some artists are faster than others, and some are more reliable than others. You know, especially if you have new artists who are creator-owned books. When you're dealing with creator owned books, you're really at the mercy of the artist and the writer. Because I can't fire them off the book. So I need to see for myself if they can produce at time. Because a lot of people say, hey, I can do this monthly, but until you actually actually do it, you don't know if you can or not. There's a lot of artists who think they can do a monthly book, but really should do a bi-monthly book. I mean, we have a couple of books that are bi-monthly because that's what they prefer. And the, my thing is I, I want the book out on time, and I want it to be quality. If it needs to be bi-monthly, we do a bi-monthly book. If they can do it monthly and get it in the time, we do a monthly book. But um, where I see the future, like I said, four to six a month. Um, I already have planned out the schedule until maybe March of next year. So I'm only that far ahead in what we've accepted. We have a lot of great new books coming up. Like I said, But we're looking for pretty much just mostly newer talent. But we do have some established artists and writers coming to us with projects. And we may have some to announce in the near future with that. I, I can't really say names yet because the contracts aren't signed. But um, there's a couple that I'm really excited about working with that I've always wanted to work with. And I did at Caliber somewhat, but um, not 101. That was more my brother's book. But... Um, <laughs> You know, it's, 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 looking, I'm looking, it's a lot of fun, and I'm looking to grow the company. I don't expect to be Marvel. I don't expect to be DC. I don't expect to be Aftershock. That's a whole different model than what we're doing. We're a smaller publisher, but I can see us being a mid-range publisher eventually.
0: No, I was just going to say, um, yeah, it's great to have known artists and writers working, doing books for Scout Comics and having people that aren't known. That way, the people that aren't known have the spotlight shined upon them. And they get some more notoriety that way, just by association. And as far as the book schedule, you know, you're right. Whether it's monthly, bi-monthly, as long as you are consistent, that's the most right. important thing. Because out of sight, out of mind, people
1: forget. And, and do, if you do an ongoing series, let's say you have to issue nine, you know, sometimes you might, you might need to take a month off. I mean, the law publisher have to do that. You get an artist who's let's say he's done six issues straight and he's been on time, but you see he's starting to get a little bit behind because it's a very time consuming thing to do artwork. I mean a writer, I can write you know, I write three to five pages a night when I sit down. An artist, that takes them a week, you know, three to five to seven days to do. So it's a much more labor intensive for an artist. So a writer can write two issues a, a month, or an artist gonna do one issue a month. But like I said, the key is just to make sure that we keep it on a schedule. If we have to go to a, like a every six week schedule, we'll go to a six week but we'll announce it that we're gonna do it. I, I know for a fact like on which is one of our bigger hits, and it came out in I believe it was October last year. Number one is actually I think our best-selling book, but you know, he's up to issue six now and it takes him three months to do an issue Which is nothing wrong with that. He just you know, he's realized well I need three months to draw he draws writes letters colors all himself So that one's been taken off a monthly schedule. We make it more like a bi-monthly book Because you know, I don't want it to be like if it's, it's just come out in June and just again until August or September Well, there's something wrong with that in my opinion. So I'd rather slow it down get the quality work doing it would just make announcement that it's bi-monthly now it makes a lot of sense yeah.
0: and uh speaking of cons like we were talking about earlier you just got back from was it south carolina comic-con
1: yeah south carolina in greenville it's my first time going there it's a great show i had a good time met some interesting people i got a, um i just got my oldest son with me and he introduced me to um actress uh, who played in stranger things um, she played Barb and that was a great, you know, he had a great thrill with that. Cause we all watched *Strength Oh
0: yes. Yes, we it's, did too. It's great. Great show.
1: So Barb, now I, you know, she, if you look at my Facebook page, on mind bitter Scout comics and I've got a couple of pictures with her and she, she read mind bitter. She, my son introduced it to her on Saturday. She said, she's looking for something. He went, came back to the booth, took a straight tour, got a picture of her with it for me. And, and then she comes up to the booth the next thing on Sunday and says how, you know, how much she enjoyed it. She wants to know where it's going. So I gave her an advanced copy of issue two that, that I had printed out, so it wasn't like a printed version, but it was like a copy machine. But um, so I said, you know, you let me know if you need anything else. But see, it's just, conventions are great for meeting people like you wouldn't normally think you'd have a chance of meeting, and um, that's a blast. So it was a big thrill for him. You know, cause he's, he's, he's only 17, so this is all, meeting the celebrities are a real big deal to him. You know, you get older, you realize that a lot of them are like, you know, normal people just have a different job than you do, Right. but it's so cool. Yeah, I've taken my son to
0: Khan's – I've taken him to the New Jersey Expo, and uh, he's only five. Um, But he enjoyed it. He was very well-behaved, and he would just sit behind the person I was interviewing and play with his toys or look at his comics, and he was perfectly fine. Uh, But it's it's great to expose him to that.
1: It is. I took my oldest son to his first convention when he was three. It was the MegaCon. He's going to kill me for telling this story, though, but it's so funny to me. But um, he was, we were watching Birds of Prey. I don't know if you remember that show at Ranch yep. Time on, I think it was a WB at the time. And um, Batgirl was there, the actress who played Batgirl. So he comes as a little Batman underwear outfit to the convention, and he wanted to go meet Batgirl. So we you know, we take him up there, and she goes, Oh, he is the cutest little thing. And so I pick him up, put him on the table, because kind of, I just got to give him a kiss. And the moment I put him on the table and she reached for him, he just started crying. <laughs> 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 it was pretty funny. And I, and she goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so, I feel so bad. No, no, he's just so excited to meet you. This, You're the reason we came to the show. But So she gave him this little thing like X's and O's, Batgirl to Alex, so like that. So it's a sense of pride with him now. But I know I just embarrassed the mess out of him, but it was pretty funny. <laughs>
0: When I took my son to the New Jersey Expo, um, I met Jose Garcia Lopez, right. and I was standing there watching him work, and I was like in awe, and my son just walks around the table and stands next to him, and he didn't mind. He's just, like, asking questions, and he's answering his questions, and he's it right next to him. I'm like, wow, son, do you you have no idea who you're standing next to. <laughs> that's, that's great. I wish Sometimes I wish I was a kid get away with that. You know? Well, I have pictures of it, so he'll be able to look back on that someday. He's like, is that man going to be at the next con? I said, who? I said, oh, you mean Jose? Yeah. I said, oh, well, maybe. <laughs> it's really funny. And do you have Now, you mentioned a Heroes Con coming up in June. You're going to be there. Yeah, I'll be there. Other con plans for the year?
1: Yeah, um, let me think what I'm doing. Um, that may be the next one I go to. There's a possibility I'll go one out of Fort Lauderdale next weekend. I'm not sure yet. But Heroes Con, I'm debating San Diego. Um, I won't be able to go to C2E2 this year. I went there last year. But it conflicts with the weekend for me. Definitely New York Comic Con in October. Okay. Tampa Bay Comic Con. Trying to get to the MegaCon in Orlando, so more than likely I'll show up for that one as well. Yeah, there's some others I'm sure that will pop up. I just had to check my schedule. My day job takes my time sometimes, so sometimes weekends don't work for me. Sure, yeah, um, I understand. So, <laughs> yeah, the big Scout one's going to be October in New York. That's their that's their headquarters. That's what they always put their presence there.
0: I just have a few fun questions for you before we uh, wrap up, and I'm trying to make this like a regular feature of the show. We'll see how it goes. Sure. Uh, what do you like to do? when you're not busy writing comics, when you're not stuck in your car commuting for rest and relaxation?
1: I play softball Yeah, I play on a, travel, a tournament team. So that's my that's my, um, that's my um, relaxation. Get all the stress out that way.
0: Very good, very good. Now this is the old island question. You're on an island, you don't have any electricity, your cell phone's dead, your tablet's dead and, you know, battery's worn out. What is your island book? And it can be a set, it doesn't have to be just one book. I know that's a tough choice
1: Wow, that is a tough choice. Um, let me think about that one for a second. Edgar Allan Poe.
0: Oh, that's so a good like, choice. Yeah.
1: yeah. Old Edgar. Yeah, he's been my biggest influence when I was younger.
0: So. Yeah, me too. Me too. I loved that stuff in high school. Ate it up. But I think the class I had was imaginative literature.
1: Oh, I like that. Sounds interesting. And it was
0: my favorite English class because it was all the fun stuff. It was Edgar Allan Poe it was Nathaniel Hawthorne, Sherlock Holmes stories, all the stuff you'd want to read just for fun. So and it, it just kind of opened my world into reading. It What's opened it? up
1: imagination.
0: It yeah. sure does. And your beverage of choice when you're relaxing. If it's not spirits, then it can be coffee, tea, what kind?
1: Well, my, I don't, I don't drink, so I, I'm, it won't be spirits. So um, I'll say Dr. Pepper is actually my choice. I'm a Southern boy, so.
0: Okay, okay. I usually reach for a Diet Dr Pepper during the day to kind of help wake myself up with a little bit of caffeine.
1: Yeah, I drink more Diet Dr Pepper now, but I prefer Dr Pepper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, how can people follow Scout Comics? Uh, what is the social media handle? And uh, if you have a newsletter, please share information about that.
1: Well, a newsletter is something I do want to develop. Um, we're going to try to get a retail newsletter, okay? And we're also try to get a fan base newsletter. That's something I, I do want to institute and we're still developing that. Um, you can find us on our webpage at www.scottcomics.com. We have a Scout Comics Facebook page. I have a Mindbender Scott Comics Facebook page. Um, we on Instagram, um, we're on Twitter. So um, We have a great person, social media person, Mina Elwill. She handles all the social media for us and she's doing a great job. She's actually a writer. Her book comes out in October, November, September called um infernock so look for that one too and we'll get closer to that i want to put you in touch with her because she's a great new talent um excellent yeah you know, so that's basically it right now but, um i'm gonna start trying to do an editorial page in comics give a little bit more about background about creators as well if i can in my spare time you know um
0: no great i mean yourself and any of your creators are always welcome on the show so when they have a book ready to go and they want to promote it just great. reach out, and I'd love to have them on the show and talk about how they got where they are and where they're going.
1: One thing about great about Scout, which drew me to them honestly, is that um Brendan Dingnan is the is the um, CEO of Scout. Um, he's also the head of the TV media division for Macmillan Publishing in New York, and his day job basically is to place properties with you know Hollywood. So that nice. was a big plus to me. Not that now I write for comics, but. You know, it's always nice if somebody else wants to do something else with it, and that's a big plus that Scout has that other companies don't have. I mean, AfterShot does have that, and a couple of the companies do, but that's that's experience. You know, so if you do well with a comic, you can get exposure elsewhere, especially independent comics, because sometimes you know you, it's hard to make a living just doing an independent comic. So if you get some extra income from the other source that helps now not every comic has become a movie or TV series but you know there's always video games to look at and there's other stuff that you can expose to not say you're gonna get a TV deal but you always have the chance to be exposed to it
0: yeah so that's that's, 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 that's awesome. not the primary objective but if it yeah. works out all the better
1: all the better it's just gravy you know You know, if you write for it and something else happens, hey, great. If it doesn't, hey, I had a great comic.
0: Well, James, thank you so much. You've been a great guest and uh, wish you the best of luck with Mindbender. And I'll be reading. Thank you so much. Thank you. That is my interview with James Pruitt, the publisher of Scout Comics and the writer of the upcoming series Mindbender out in May. I would check that one out. I think it's going to be a sleeper hit. The art is mind bending. Well, this week i've had some problems with audio connections using skype but that's the nature of the beast not much i can do about it although they've been perfectly good listenable episodes but the one earlier this week sounded like there was a lot of hissing in the background and this one sounded somewhat like it was on a plane but i assure you it was not just calls through skype sometimes cross-country you know it's not always very reliable but i think overall the quality of sound is pretty good and I'm making some tweaks and adjustments to the episode recording so that it'll sound even better. And you're going to start hearing that very, very soon. If you like what you hear, let me know through social media. On Facebook at Creator Talks Pod and on Twitter at Creator Talks Pod. And emails to the website, creatortalks.com. That's Creatortalks.com and don't miss a single episode you never know who's going to be on the show i'll drop a few hints here and there but if you subscribe through itunes google play stitcher or soundcloud you'll be sure to hear the latest episode which drops thursday every week and sometimes twice a week i have several interviews already recorded and ready to go and i have some interviews in the work with big names and interviews with people you've never heard of from smaller publishers again independents trying to strike out and make a mark for themselves in the world of comics and I think we should give them a chance and at least listen to their story and see what they have to say and see why their account book deserves to be on the shelves. And I'll let you be the judge of that after listening to them and after seeing the work. For Creator Talks, I'm Christopher Calloway. Until next time.